minus three is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. You get great odds and markets for Major League Baseball, the NFL. Oh, it's time to start doing those win total bets. The PGA Tour and oh so much more. Great new and existing user promos for you that make FanDuel America's number one sportsbook because it's easy to use and it's safe and secure and you get your winnings delivered in as quick as two hours. And of course, if there's a game being played, you can get a same game parlay on it. You combine multiple bets from the same game and you can discover the most popular same game parlays each day right when you log in. And as far as that goes, if you're new, download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started. Just make sure you sign up with the promo code minus three. It's the word minus the number three. So they know we sent you. Let's get this one going. Minus three. With Dave Damashek. Hi, hello, sports fans, and happy holiday week. Yeah, it's not just a day here at Extra Points. It's a whole week, and we have got you covered. Coming up over the next many minutes here, you're going to hear the voice of Hall of Fame fantasy football guru, Michael Fabiano, giving you some tips. It's high time here in July to dig in on pro football and which players you want on your fantasy team. We'll also hear a bit from Kevin Hench. We'll talk real sports, and we'll also talk about the most important game of all, the game of life. Eddie Spaghetti is over there behind the glass. You want to jump into it, Eddie Spaghetti, and get right into it? I'm very excited. I'm very excited for football to be inching back. I'm very excited for fantasy football to be inching back. And also very excited that it's the 4th of July and we get to uh, eat some wieners outside and lay in the pool in the sun. It's quite exciting. Oh, it really is. Really magical words from Eddie Spaghetti. Your wish is my command. Let's take it away with some fantasy talk and beyond with Fabiano and Hench. You know what? I think now that we're into July, it is high time, nay, we're past time to get into the greatest game of all pro football and start talking about fantasy football with the best in the business, the Hall of Famer himself, our old pal. You listen to him on Sirius. You read him on Sports Illustrated. He's Michael Fabiano. What's the poop, fella? Uh, I'm doing well, my friend. Uh, always great to hear your voice and see your face. Miss seeing you on a more regular basis, of course, uh, from our time together at NFL Network. But uh so glad everything is going well. I like it better this way. I like it better this way. I don't like, the, I don't I, like I, people. That's not an offense to I, you. I don't I, I, see people I, on I think after Zoom COVID, is enough. I think after COVID, like a lot of people probably feel the same way. Um, you know, muzzle tough to you on your New York Yankees, uh, destined, oh, it seems, for a World Series hey, trip. I mean, and, you know, unreal. I'm trying to force it a little bit here, you know, a theme conversation before we jump into fantasy football, because, you know, I don't have to tell you anything. We're in a keeper league that you created, and we've already gotten into drafting the just drafted rookies. They now have been picked in our fantasy league. But before we jump into that, the theme is, of course, here in early July, all things American. Are the Yankees the most American of all sports brands. What's funny is that the other one that comes to mind is also a team that I root for that I may be uh, wearing this T-shirt from. I I would think so. I I don't know that, you know, you hear the Cowboys and the old moniker America's team. I mean, I don't know if that's the case anymore. Certainly people have an opinion on the Cowboys one way or another. You either love them or you hate them. I love them. Uh, You as a Steelers fan who grew up uh, watching 
them beat on my Cowboys back in the uh, 70s. You, you like all them. the teams that are the most American, a.k.a. <laughs> one of the most American things that people do is they front run, and you did that I'll as a lad. It. Again. You, we've talked about it, but you vibed at the age of 11 to the Cowboys, to the Wait, no, 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 no. UNC. Don't, don't twist it. Not 11, eight. eight. When I was okay, eight, whatever it is. I had no listening. idea what a front runner was. Anyways, so... Uh, yeah, I'm I, I laid back in my old age. If you want to root for a team, go ahead. It's not my business anymore. <laughs> I'm out of the, I, I really am trying to, to turn a page here. Um, and, and you know, listen, it, it, let he who is without sin cast the first oblong ball. I'm not, I'm not here to, <laughs> to cast aspersions on you if that's who you like, but I do think, and, and I don't, and I don't like the most American brands for the most part, the Yankees, Notre Dame, um, I don't think Duke counts as that really. No. Um, but I I do want those teams to be good because sports are better when those brands are successful. So uh, muzzle tough to you. And before we jump in, like I say, to some fantasy football talk here and you providing some advice. And as I say, the advice I often give to people when they say, how do you get into this business? I really do invoke the name Michael Fabiano to people and say, This is a guy who talks about fantasy football. He's a grown-up man, has been doing this for 20-some years. He's in the Hall of Fame as a result. What's his secret? As soon as the fantasy football season is over, he begins writing about next fantasy football season. No days off for Fabiano. That's how you do it. You hustle. Um, So I do want to get into that. But pick for me now your optimal foe to meet in the fall classic. Do you want the Metropolitans? Our mutual pal, Cousin Sal, says he wants the Yankees. I admire it, although I don't under, uh, uh, although I don't know that I love the competitive wisdom of that, as good as the Yankees have been. Who's your optimal foe to cross paths with in October? On the surface, it's the Mets, right? Because the, obviously the Yankees' biggest foe is the Red Sox, but uh, City... Right. Uh, either love the Yankees or you love the Mets. Right. The only problem with that is that when we had the Subway Series back in 2000, which, by the way, I was in New York at the time and was at the parade. Nobody outside of the tri-state area cared. Right. The ratings were not great for that World well, Series. Well, who gives a crap? Don't worry right. about what anybody else wants. I'm talking I know, about I know. you want. And I, I, I get it. Because from your perspective, the As stakes, a, it's being in the World Series is a big deal. Not as much for the Yankees because they they have gotten there with regularity over the as decades. Who but lives- the stakes are that much higher. If you have to play the Metropolitans, great as long as you win. You lose to them. It's the same thing as the Red Sox. You had it over the Red Sox for eternity until they rallied from 03. Now oh, you're even, Steven. Yeah, you, you are you are um, in the gut. You can argue against. You can you can point to more trophies than what the Red Sox have, but we all understand that things now are very even because, you know, a lot of those World Series were won with uh, with dead people, with people who are now dead right. cheering for yeah. them. In the here and now, the Red Sox and Yankees feels even Steven. If the Metropolitans get over on you, I don't know what to think. I think you might be better off rooting for like the Dodgers or something That's like that. th- That's the series that I'd like to see selfishly because I could actually go to the games. And I, I'd begrudgingly go to Dodger Stadium because I'm not a big fan of trying to get in and out of that place. It's a nightmare. And uh, the, the the only time I saw the Yankees there, it was back when Rivera was still our closer, you know, Jeter, 
Uh, you know, the team wasn't as good. I've heard right? of them. I it know those beyond, guys, It was yeah. beyond the dynasty. But I went in there. The Yankees won the game. And I don't, you know me, I'm not a big smack talker. Like, I'll root for my team, but I'm not going to go out into somebody else's stadium and start talking trash. Uh, number one, because most people are going to kick my butt. But uh, I just don't do that. And I was wearing Yankee gear. I, I didn't even say anything. I was walking out of the stadium, go back to the Bronx, this and that. And like, I, and I did unprovoked nothing. And I'm like, geez, Louise, like these people are crazy out here. These Dodgers fans. So I'd like to, I'd like to beat the Dodgers to shut their fans up, to shut them up and to uh, be able to maybe go to a game. So that would be it. The Cardinals would be the other one too, only because Wainwright's like my pal, and I'm actually, Dave, I'm going to You think to he's going to get stadium. you tickets? Well, well, that too. But, well, he's, I, I, the Yankees are playing the Cardinals the first weekend of August, which is right before my birthday. And it's two weeks before my dad turns 80. So I'm meeting my father in St. Louis and we're going all three games. Wayno's hooking us up with tickets. We're getting field passes. My old man's a, a big Yankees fan, so he can't wait. It's going to be exciting for him. And uh, so that's going to be a lot of fun. You don't get to see the Yankees play in Bush Stadium very often. It just doesn't happen. So that's going to be great. What do you think of, by the way, Wayne Wright's one of the baseball OGs of being into fantasy football. That's how you mm -hmm. and Wayne Wright fell in love. Um, what do you think about uh, the Jock Peterson and beyond uh, fantasy football league? Ultimately, good news for for fantasy football, right? Yeah, I mean, that was like the story in sports for, uh, you know, a week or two. Right. Which is crazy. So you and I, you know, we're both familiar with the ESPN's platform. Unless Mike Trout, who is a commissioner, said you can't put a player on the IL unless he is actually on the IL uh, in the NFL, because ESPN's one of those platforms where if the dude is out, you could put the player on the IL. And that's completely within the rules. That's just a, a quirk of ESPN's product. So if Trout didn't come out and say that you can't do that, well, then Peterson didn't cheat and do anything wrong. And from what I've been told by pals who are current or former baseball players, Tommy Pham is a little out there. He's he's well, very we heard extreme. last week. Yeah, we heard last week that Jock Peterson was still worried about crossing paths with Pham because he might get slugged again. I think yeah. it's great ultimately because I'm not huge on men are one way, women are another way. Big distinctions between the genders. But mm -hmm. I do think it's funny, especially when you're talking about multimillionaire athletes that with all that they have going in their lives, young, set up for the rest of their lives and several generations after they leave the big blue marble themselves, that they still can get this hot about fantasy football. That's great. Women wouldn't do that. You know, multimillionaire women would <laughs> it's and I, th I think wouldn't behave in this manner. I think the stakes were like six figures. And, and I, you know, oh, so was that the, big? I didn't hear. What, it, what, it's what pretty the big. I mean, with show. some of the names that are in the league, I mean, it's pretty big. But no, yeah, exactly. I mean, like it, it's you knew that that was premeditated, too. He had it on the schedule when they were playing against the the, the Giants. And he went right out there and gave him a smack. And uh, yeah, just it is what it, I, my, my fear was that MLB was going to come down and be like, we can't have this. It's bad for the game. Fantasy football is now banned from the league. I was like, please don't let that happen because every oh, team I, has a clubhouse league. 
Oh, for sure. I really thought that it that it might stop that stuff. I, you know, I don't, I don't want to get into a serious, a semi-serious conversation, but yeah, you do like the Calvin Ridley thing. And, you know, once you start getting into how much money's on it, I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, a commissioner who happens to be a resident of Mount Pius descended to, to weigh in and, and stop all fantasy football-related uh, uh, gambling. Um, but anyway, all right, let's get into But very quickly, Eddie Spaghetti, um, your thoughts on that Yankees. Who do you think would be the best foe for them? Who do you root for? Because as I say, I think you understand what I'm getting at here. It's nice to, to be in the World Series. Do you want to have to go through a team that would have bragging rights for, for the rest of your life? Or, uh, your neighbors, in fact, would remind you forever that the Metropolitans in the year of the Lord 2022 got over on your Yanks. Well, what Fab said too about being able to attend Dodger Stadium, like I think, like in my head, I was like, it's a great idea. We could potentially go to the game, and then you see the the ticket prices of what a World Series would be, and you're like, I'm never going to be able to even come close to that stadium too. And then you could also put the cherry on top is how hard it is to get in and out of the of uh, Chavez Ravine. But I, I mean, like Dodgers would be fun, and because it's it's two big markets, um, you know, they're first right now in, in the NL West, so it would be you know two powerhouse teams, teams with huge payrolls. But I still think. I would not. I would be way more afraid of playing the Dodgers in a series. I'm not sure if Fabs agrees with this. Over playing the Mets, and I feel like I would. Uh, the Yankees could beat the Mets in a series. I would feel pretty confident about it. And then, ha- and I don't even hate Mets fans. I have tons of Mets fans friends, and I'm fine with the Mets. I root for the Mets. Uh, I did in 2015 when they were playing the Royals. Like I have no I- ill will towards them, but beating them in a, another Subway series would be would be pretty awesome. I agree with the upside. I'm thinking about the downside because my glass is typically half empty and I'm just reminding you both of, you know, as somebody who forever had bragging rights over, you know, two hour drive away, Cleveland Browns fans, that went away when the Browns came into Heinz Field in January and vanquished the Steelers. That is a valuable chip that is now gone forever for me. So I caution you against that, especially if I put my glass half full of royal blue and orange drink. Um, if the Mets get both of those high-end pitchers back in time for the postseason, that is going to be a scary team. But I guess the the rest of baseball America would swoon if we did get Metropolitans, Yankees. I hear what you're saying about it being a little bit too provincial for a national audience, but ultimately what we want are great matchups. So, all right, let's get into it now. And Fabiano, by the way, kudos as an astute, uh, the uniformant Dave Damashek. I praise your background there. It's just plum glorious with all those helmets. The Patriots, I know you celebrate the return of Pat Patriot um, to the New England region of Football America. I think you also, in fact, I know you agree with me that America's team allegedly needs to return to its royal blue jersey. Oh. And at, I mean, why all the Won't different they ones they wear, all the different they, they wear, though, the white with the blue with the big stars on their shoulders at Thanksgiving and they do all that other crap. Why can't we get a look at the Super Bowl five? Chuck Howley losing, oh, would uh, love it. losing team Super Bowl MVP that with the great pants. Blue. Oh, yes. it's so good, man. And it's not even like that was a bad error for the Cowboys when they wore those jerseys. They won. Right. And so I, 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 I don't get that. I just don't understand why they won't go back to those as a, as a throwback option. We've worn everything else. Right. I mean, we've worn, as you mentioned, with the blue stars, with the white stars on the shoulders. I have I have all kinds of cowboy helmets all over the place here. So but 
if if you brought that back, oh my goodness gracious, it would be unbelievable. They brought back the helmet with the red stripe on it. Like bring back yeah, right. the best uniforms you've ever worn and they, and they won't do it. Yeah, I don't know why they don't. And what I always point out about those blue jerseys is the white jerseys that the Cowboys went with became so iconic and so feared by their rivals that teams, when the Cowboys would go to play their rivals, would make them wear the royal blue, which, in my mind, made the Cowboys a winner before the game even kicked off. You're so <laughs> the Cowboys are so in your head that you you're not going to let them wear the white jerseys in your place. So you're going to go against your traditions to try and get to the All Cowboys. the NFC East teams used to do that. When the Cowboys would go to play the Redskins at RFK, they'd wear the white. When you'd go to the old Giant Stadium, the G-men would wear the white. Same thing with the Eagles, they would wear the white. They always you know did what it. I learned recently while well, the 1980, the NFC title game, of course, that's what stands out above all else is Wilbert Montgomery running free in Philadelphia wearing the white jersey. It, it, it puts a stink weird. on it. I'm, I'm sure not for Eagles fans, but you know who started that? I'm not surprised because he was a, a master tactician. Tactician. Bill Walsh. I didn't know in 79 when the Cowboys paid a visit to Candlestick, he had the Cowboys wear their royal blue. So I I, I think he's the actual trailblazer there. I always thought it was the Eagles or maybe the Cardinals when they Mm -hmm. were still in St. Louis. Anyway, see, circle complete because you mentioned the St. Louis Cardinals five minutes ago, and now we're back to the St. Louis Cardinals of a different stripe. All right, here we go. I have my draft coming up. It'll be here before you know it. Mine is, uh, as you know, my big money league is with Cousin Sal and John Hamm and Kevin Hench and the sports guy and so on and so forth. And and the stakes couldn't be higher. I'm not talking about six figures. I'm talking about your dignity. You, the previous year's champ at the draft, which is conducted on the eve of the regular season so that you can't find another league, um, you that the reigning champ gets to kick out any one of his choosing survivor style, and you have to get up and walk out of a room full of grown ups, and it's humiliating. And Who's, all the of that. Who's the champ? Who's the champ? Well, right now it is uh, the aforementioned John Ham, villain, not just oh, of Top Gun, okay. but of the Fantasy League 2022, along with Trevor Duval. Those two have the ultimate power this year, so I have to. I mean, there's nothing I can do to insulate myself from it at this point. But optimistically, let's say I do survive the cut. I want to have the best team possible. So let's dig in on that. And before my draft comes around, a lot of the people listening right now will have their drafts um, really within a matter of days or weeks. It's not too soon. Once you're in July, I think, to, to start getting into this, I counsel everybody wait until as deep into the preseason as you agreed see how the injuries play out. But sometimes schedules require that you get into it. And so... Fabs, let's do it this way, shall we? Let's go, I think, to try and narrow down where your head's at. If I just say to, to you, well, give me your top three running backs. They're all too obvious anyway. So I, I, mm-hmm. I'd rather do it this way, and I'm just throwing it th- this at you off the cuff. I didn't ask you to prepare for this. Let's just sort of hash through it. I know you're up to speed, 365 on on which players you want and which you should avoid and everything else. So I don't think I'm, uh, I'm ambushing you too much here. Let's start at running back. And mm-hmm. let's start in the AFC East, shall we? If you can only have one running back 
From the AFC East, who are you taking? And if you want to give me a 1A, uh, that's that's cool too. And if you also want to throw in a running back that you're not as hip on, feel free to go in that direction as well. Okay, so that division isn't exactly plumb full of fantasy stars at running back. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind, of course, is the Patriots and Damian Harris, who had double-digit touchdowns last year. Does he lose some work to Ramondre Stevenson? Certainly possible. Uh, the Jets drafted Brees Hall, and he's going to be the first rookie that comes off the board in just about every single draft, even though Michael Carter is going to continue to be in that in that mix. And I think that's going to be a committee with Hall leading the way. The Dolphins, forget about it. Uh, do, do you want anybody from Miami? I mean, they signed every running back in the offseason, and they they you know they, they brought in Chase Edmonds. They've got Sony Michelle, Raheem Mostert. Yeah, they still got the guys who were incumbents in there. I mean, so that's that's a tough backfield. And then the Bills, Devin Singletary was really good at the end of last season. Right, he was he was a league winner. But let me let's go is back. It, to, is he going to do it again? They, they brought let's in James Cook. Up. I want to go back to the last one. When it yeah. is what appears to be like, a, how how can I identify one guy from that group? How how would I be able to divine that? Is it basically grab one of those guys and 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 hope the number comes up? Is it just dumb luck? Is there any way any any history that you might evaluate to try and divine? Who well, the I mean, Mostert Mostert's going to go late, and he knows the offense, right? I mean, from his time in San Francisco with McDaniel, mm-hmm. so. If there's a guy that based on value you want to maybe try and get as your RB four or five, I guess it would be him. I think Edmonds probably will lead the backfield in uh, in terms of uh, touches uh, and fantasy points. But um, I also I, I, my, you know what I think you just touched on it. I I like again football like any other business is based on relationships, and Mostert is there for a reason. He didn't just right. randomly land. Uh, down there, it makes all the sense in the world to me that he ultimately is going to win out in that. Uh, in that, but battle. the best, the best back is going to end up being Brees Hall. That's the guy who's going to go first in that division. I, I, I don't think that that's a crazy pick, especially as they try to bring along Zach Wilson a little bit. I do think the Michael Carter factor, but you have to keep in mind that most of pro football now. Uh, most pro football teams don't have a single guy who is going to get 300 plus touches. There are some exceptions that prove the rule. Um, Mm -hmm. But for the most part, yes, you are going to feel a little uneasy. If Chase Edmonds is one of your two starting running backs in fantasy this year, you probably ain't going to be thrilled with it. But as you look around, there just are not a lot of, um, you know, idea what, what would have been 10 or 15 years ago. uh, There were, you know, there were 15 to 25 guys reasonably at running back that you would say, oh, you know, if I have those two, you know, you're lucky if you land one of those guys in in, in um, these days, if it's a 12-team league, if you have a guy who is the so-called bell cow, and I always say you have to know what a bell cow is before you can call a human being a bell cow. Um, you have to know the bell cows function at a farm. But anyhow, um, all right, good stuff there. <laughs> Next up, AFC North. I think uh, well, I think there's some, I mean, some much better. There's some here. really good running backs in that division, but uh, when you you know when you sort of look at it uh, quickly, I mean it's it's your your guy, right? I mean it's it's Najee. He's the number one oh, guy in the so? AFC North. More yeah, so I, than Chubb. Uh, oh, oh, certainly yes, because I mean Nick Chubb's always got to contend with Kareem Hunt, and who's the quarterback going to be in Cleveland? I have right now. It looks like it's going to be Jacoby Brissett, man. 
And so that, that that's not going to instill any kind of fear in defenses in terms of uh, not loading the box against the Browns in their running game. Now, Stefanski is going to run the ball regardless, but not it, it's it's Najee, it's Mixon. And then and then you're looking at um, Nick Chubb and then J.K. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, depending on the health of his knee. Now, he did post something on social media yesterday. Uh, I, I believe it, it was like something to do with like the, you know, the reason for silence or something like that. The reason why he hasn't really talked is because he's prepping, but we're hearing some reports that maybe he's not going to be ready for camp. Uh, so he's fourth, but Dobbins could break out this year. Like you never know if the health is there, they're going to run the ball. You know, their number one wide receiver is Bateman. Who do they got after that? Crickets. Well, that, exactly. Yeah. It's like Duvernay, you know, besides Mark Andrews at tight end. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I, I do, however, really like the Ravens as we sit here now, mm-hmm. which is a week earlier than when you're listening to this. Either way, I like that Ravens team for one year again. It's it. it I don't always like where the Baltimore Ravens are headed going into a season. I think in 2022, obviously it all comes down to eight's health. And if he can sustain good, clean health throughout the season, I really like that team. And, and they did well in the in, draft too. It, yeah, in this miserable AFC, what a what a a uh, miserable path anyone who survives that and gets to the Super Bowl is going to have to go through. I really like the Baltimore Ravens for one season upcoming, as long as uh, Lamar Jackson can stay healthy through it. And I'm skeptical of that based on what happened last year. Yes, I, I hadn't it hadn't occurred to me until just now. The AFC North equals you know colleges have. Uh, running back university this is mm-hmm. running back division this is it i mean take your some pick. good yes some the very, third best very option good. right i'd rather have nick chow whoever you have third on the list in the afc north is ahead of anybody you might mm-hmm. want to consider out of the afc east okay afc south yeah. one obvious answer here we're yeah, done I mean, actually I- two two obvious answers who in fact this is an interesting question now you mm-hmm. can go off of past body of work it's not that jonathan taylor hasn't been great he was dynamite last year obviously but derrick henry is the star he has been the fantasy football running back for the last what three or four years now but are you going off of past deeds or are you looking ahead with jonathan taylor here if you can only have one of those two he's a young guy who just came off a 20 touchdown season uh he was he was the best bargain in the first round last year it's it's, it's got to be jonathan taylor and Derrick Henry is a close second. Uh, Derrick is, uh, we, we know how good he can be. You wonder though, like last year, will the, the high touch total cause him to get hurt again? And I don't think that he's a uh, brittle back. Obviously the dude doles no. out punishment hell of a lot more than, uh, than he, than he takes it. But you know, I, I use the example of like, if I'm an Uber driver and I only drive 500 miles a month, well, I'm probably not going to get into an accident uh, as as likely as a guy who's an Uber driver who drives 2000 miles a month. Right? They just give him the ball so much. He's got more opportunity to get hurt. And that's what happened last year with the foot. Hopefully that that's a thing of the past. It looks like it is. If you look at videos of him working out, I mean, he's 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 a he's a beast. Right. I mean, I, I met him at uh, NFL Network and I was like, geez, the guy's as big as William McGinnis. He's huge. And he's a running back. So so he's two. And then I wouldn't after want that, to tackle him. I wouldn't want to try to tackle. No, Derek I would Henry, not. Obviously, no. but no. I do think I get. I, I, you know, guys who get three hundred plus touches 
in consecutive seasons like that. And he, his workload has been insane there. It is going to be diminishing returns. There are very few exceptions that one can hold up and say, look how good this guy was after that workload over that many seasons. Derrick Henry's best days are very likely behind him from a statistical perspective. We're talking about 400 touches. I mean, last year he was on pace to break Larry Johnson's single season record for, uh, for carries. Like he was he was at like he was on pace for like 450 for that's never been done before. Like Johnson had 416. So so after those two guys, it's obvious. Then it's Travis Etienne, who was like one of my favorite breakout players. We actually had him on Fantasy Dirt several weeks back. Couldn't have been a nicer guy. Talked about how he wants to play in a fantasy league. He's going to draft himself in the first round. And a lot of it has to do with James Robinson and, and, and in terms of what his status is coming back from the injury. But. I think Etienne's got the inside track on that uh, on that top spot in the so depth chart. So you do chart. buy him at least yeah, in a PPR league. He should be valuable in that regard as well. Uh, so yeah, I I, I, I yeah. am with you on him. And then and the, Texans, the Texans. I mean, who the hell knows? I, like so so my I took my the guy. Is, I took the rookie, and I can't think of his yeah, name now. Damian Pierce. The right. my my guess is that Marlon Mack will open the season as the starter, and Pierce will slowly but surely take the job and be the guy by say mid season. It's going to be a committee though, regardless, uh, Pierce, Marlon Mack, Rex Burkhead, their offensive line has been garbage. So you can't really lean on any one of those three guys. Uh, but if I had to draft one, it's Pierce, but he's probably like an RB four RB five type in, uh, in, in most leagues. Well, you know, unlike even wide receiver, the one that you should look at, don't be worried. I think people get spooked. You hear enough about like, ah, you got to bring a rookie along, not running backs, running backs start week one. If you, if they, if uh, especially, uh, you know, you don't see very many guys drafted in the first round at Mm -hmm. running back, but you know, if, if you see valuable draft capital, spent on a running back which is to say top three rounds even that guy's gonna get a lot of run literally um in his rookie season don't be spooked by the fact that he's 21 he's 22 he doesn't know the offense running back is not a position that you need to concern yourself with that from a fantasy perspective real head coaches don't bother themselves with that what you want are those nice fresh young legs that's what you're looking for in pro football and fantasy football all right afc west another pretty juicy little group here yeah, so I uh, the obvious number one is is Austin Eckler, who's become like the ambassador for he really active has, players huh? when it comes to fantasy football. Yep, uh, I've interviewed used him a lot. Used to be Maurice of, uh, Jones Drew, right? Used to be. Yep. Yeah, it used to be Mo, and now it's uh, now it's Austin. You know, he's got the show uh, with Liz Lowe's on Yahoo, which is great. Told us last year to pick up Justin Jackson one week. I think it was against the Texans, and Jackson was bananas good. Right. So uh, he he's number one now. He's not scoring 20 touchdowns again. Regression is going to come for him, just like it might come for Jonathan Taylor. But, you know, are we going to sneeze at 15 or 16 touchdowns from Taylor? Of course not. Uh, Eckler, they, they signed or, or they they brought in uh, Isaiah Spiller uh, in the draft. So, you know, he'll get some some burn as well. And even Austin, I mean, when I interviewed him at the Super Bowl, he's like, I don't want that many touches. Like, I'm, you know, I'm 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 not going to be coming out of here saying not. he's not. I want every time. He's not a big dude. Like he's he's jacked. He's yoked, but he's not much taller than me. And I'm not, uh, you know, I'm somewhat vertically challenged. So, uh, but uh, he's he's the number one guy in that division. And then after that, Javante is number two, but Melvin Gordon is not going away. When Melvin signed with the Broncos, I dropped Javante Williams down into like the, I think it was like the high teens, mid teens at running back, where otherwise he'd be in my top 10. Melvin had a 4.6 yards per carry average last year. 
He's still in great shape. And I mean, I've talked to Melvin and like his goal is to rush for a thousand yards alongside Javante that they almost did it last year. They both had over 900 yards. Now everyone's saying, well, Javante is going to end up getting more burn than he did last year. Well, last year was basically a 50, 50 split. It leaned a little bit to Javante, but not that much. And so, you know, could I see it going 60, 40? Like, sure. But do I see it going 70, 30? No, like Melvin's, He's still a good back, man. And his pals, Russell Wilson, remember they played together for a time in college at Wisconsin. I just don't see, I don't see a scenario where Williams is getting, you know, Zeke level touch share. Uh, you know, when, when Zeke was, you know, the bell cow for the Cowboys, some would argue that he still is. Some others wouldn't, but I don't see that unless Melvin suffers some sort of injury and then forget about it. Javante is going to go bananas. But I, I think I'd, I'd prefer Javante as a two rather than a one. Uh, and if I could get him as a two, I, I'd be I'd be pretty happy about that, knowing that Melvin is in the mix. And then after that, it's probably. Well, I, I, I will say I'll push yeah. back on yeah. this because I think Javante Williams is, you know, I'm a pedigree snob and mm-hmm. um, circumstance obviously matters. But you've seen Russell Wilson in an offense for the entirety of his career that that does depend on a running back. I think you'd be getting over your skis a little bit to think that Russell Wilson at this stage is suddenly going to become a pass-first guy all the time, every week. I don't think that that's probably where they're tracking there. You also have to look at where his new head coach coming into Denver, how he likes to distribute carries and everything else. I All those concerns notwithstanding, I think you are going to see um, you know, the AFC West for, for real, I mean, the, the reputation of being, you know, big shootouts dates back to the 60, to the AFL days and into the seventies. But I really do think the AFC West is going to have a lot of shootouts this year. Yep. And I like Javante Williams based on pedigree alone. And like I say, young legs and otherwise, mm-hmm. I think you can safely in a pretty spare group of, of great options in, in 2022. Mm-hmm. I like Javante Williams, I think a little bit more than you do. I love the talent. I'd, I mean, I'd rather have Devontae Booker behind him than Melvin Gordon. Let's put it that way. A guy like Booker, yeah, right. who's I not going to take the touches. And, you know, and then it's Jacobs, who might be in his last year with the Raiders. And so he, he may be playing for a contract, but the Raiders are going to throw the ball a lot more than they have in the past, uh, you know, with bringing in Devontae Adams. So not Jacobs, if they're good. Not if they're good. People always make that assumption. But, of course, your numbers diminish in throwing the ball. But look at, but look at the He's got to play Mahomes twice. He's got to play Herbert twice. He's got to play uh, Russell twice. So, you know, they, they may have to throw the ball. I'm contradicting stay, myself. I'm saying shoot out, shoot out, shoot out. <laughs> but right. I do. But I, I do think that you don't lean on your your, uh, you know, your banger of a running back. It's, right. But I, I mean, in the fourth quarter is what you're going to. Yeah. Jacobs is probably going to see fewer opportunities as a pass catcher, you know, mm-hmm. than he did last year, say. And then. Right. The, the, the last the last player is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, which kind of bums me out because when he came out as a rookie, I loved him. I was like, oh, this guy is going to be a perfect fit for the offense. And for six games, he looked pretty good. And then they signed Le'Veon. And ever since then, it's all going to hell in a handbasket. Either uh, he's been in committee or he's been a hurt. You know, they, they, they brought in Ronald Jones. I think Ronald Jones is going to get touches. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Chiefs ran the ball a little bit more this year than they have in the past. Why? No Tyreek. Not to say that Mahomes is going to see a, a big downturn in terms of his stats, but I wouldn't be surprised if they utilized the run a little bit more because they really haven't, right? Because they've been, you know, they throw the ball to Tyreek and you got Kelsey in the mix there as well. Uh, they got your guy Juju, uh, but he's certainly not going to replace what Tyreek can do. 
So Edwards Hilaire is probably the fourth best back uh, in that division right now. And I think Ronald Jones is going to see more touches than maybe some folks believe uh, or project. I agree with you on on almost all of that. I do think, though, that Andy Reid, you know, going way back to when he first got in with the Eagles to this point, they've never really leaned on a back for, you know, he's never really leaned on a back for 25, 30 carries, obviously. And I do think that they'll try to replace a lot of run situations with short passes to Juju. It's very different than what you'll see that what you saw with Tyree Kill swing swing passes out to the sideline. I think, you know, working the slot and otherwise for Juju is the same sort of thing you saw him doing in his last couple of years in Pittsburgh. He's that he's that slight tight end. He's Shannon Sharp, but even lighter kind of guy where you replace, like I say, handoffs with short passes. So I don't know exactly what Andy Reid's got cooking there. It wouldn't surprise me. I just don't know how they intend to Reed's, know, basically he, overturn what they've been doing with the. He's always the had good backs, Like from a no, fan he had Brian Westbrook. Like when you go back, he had Westbrook. You know, he had Shady. Uh, I remember Carell Buckalter. You know, who who seemed to have a knee injury every single year. But you know, he Deuce Staley was in the mix as well. Jamal Charles, like he's had some really freaking good running backs. You know, yeah, during right. his time in Philadelphia and Kansas City. Right now, he he doesn't have that guy. You know, he had Kareem Hunt for a little bit before, you know, what happened off the field with Kareem. So uh, part of the reason why, that's part of the reason why I like Clyde Edwards-Alaire so much is just like Reed's always had success with his running backs. He knows how, what, what it basically happen. what we're getting down to is he knows how to lean on his best players and Correct. Use, yeah. use their talents. I don't love, based on what we've seen from CEH since he got to the NFL, what he is. Ronald Jones is fine. I don't think he's a huge difference maker. Maybe he gets a lot of red zone touches. Hey, real quick, want to let you know you should step up to the tee and take a swing at betting the PGA Tour on FanDuel Sportsbook because right now new customers can bet the tour with a no sweat first bet. If you don't win, you'll get up to $1,000 back in free bets. You know the names out there. Plenty of superstars still on that PGA Tour. Not like the traders. And you get the great promos every day on FanDuel, safe and secure. You get paid fast. These are the reasons why FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook. All you have to do is download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up using the promo code MINUS3 to get started with your no sweat. First bet up to $1,000 FanDuel Sportsbook, the official betting operator of the PGA Tour. Just make sure you use that promo code, the word minus, the number three. And now a quick break. Did you watch uh, Ozark, by the way? Of course. What'd you think? Of the whole, of the whole thing? Yeah, what your I thought it was excellent. I thought it was excellent. Unlike the Deathly Hallows. It didn't finish as strong for me uh, as it started. And uh, Ozark didn't finish. As Ozark strong. didn't finish as strong for me as. I, I, Spoiler alert! It's been out there long enough, and when I complete it, I'm vain enough that I have decided that all the world, um, I can share spoilers now. Yeah, what what the hell with the with with that couple? This this vanilla unexceptional. Okay, so he's super smart and good at numbers. Um. But these people are just unspookable. Okay, wait, wait. The Mexican mob yeah, uh, has put a target on our backs. Like, yeah, Wendy, we better figure out what we're gonna do about this. Like, you, you're yeah. like, oh my god, what are we doing? No. Like, in the isn't first it a better story if it's told by the Cohen brothers, who, who with pretty much everything they do, it's like 
people who think they can handle it until they get into it and then they find themselves out of their depth and then they have to scrape their way out of it. This was like, oh yeah, they're always, they're, they're cool as cucumbers all the way through. Okay, a couple couple spots when, when Wendy has to allow her brother to get killed. Um, but, but you know, a, a couple of those little bumps in the road notwithstanding, they're kind of like, Oh, the the FBI is on our back and they're and they're now literally sitting in our place of business each and every day. Like, what should we do to handle that? Like, what, what, who, what human being wouldn't be flipping out at, at every turn about well, this? This is I good. Not a little good, I know I know Spaghetti's going to try to um, whack two two pods out of this so he can he can mark stuff as kind of evergreen. And our, our Ozark take would definitely fall into that category when we. When we pivot to KD per his alerts over here in my chat bar, that's going to have to go this week. But then, the, but but the Ozark stuff, evergreen. Um, remember the first great season of True Detective, the, the yes. great season of True Detective, of right? So they do. To your point about fucking Marty and Wendy Bird being unflappable. Hey, we're gonna fucking uh, we're gonna disintegrate you in acid. Hey, man, no big deal. Guess we'll have to figure this out. Like, so um, McConaughey, they do such a great job of establishing this character has seen so much and lost so much. He's so hollowed out. His pulse literally does not quicken. They set it up brilliantly, right? He gets in the fight with Harrelson in the, in the cop locker room. They get in a fight. And then he checks his pulse. Now, you know, imagine the three of us getting in a fight, any fight, you know, at the the, the road rage that we all have to encounter every day now in America. Like you get in a fight and you get back in your car. No, your pulse doesn't go up at all, at all. So they do a great job. So then when McConaughey has to snort an eight ball undercover, it's like, uh, is he still cool? Like, like, well, they established it. Like, literally nothing can phase this guy. With Marty and Wendy Bird, it's like, uh, he's an accountant. Uh, she used to work for political campaigns. Oh, they also trained with Mossad. Like, when did they develop this? Like, when, <laughs> when did they develop this ability? Nothing phases them. Certain death doesn't phase them. Anyway, so, so yeah, it, it, it kind of... You know, we made it to the end, but I, I wouldn't I know people were really excited by the end, the fucking brutal ending. Like, oh, great. You've ruined your kid. Um, I, I was not I did not think the end saved that last season. Um, but hey, speaking of saving seasons, let's let's move to the hot news. We go. Wait, 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 wait. We could do all that. Hold on just okay. one second. All A couple right. of things. OK. What happens to Ruth is completely unnecessary and. Yes, that would that would have been an exclamation point to me was that they got away with it all. Everybody is free and clear in the the moral decision that they make at the big party at the end. Like you and me, Wendy, we'll get through this thing. Uh, This is another one that we have to get over is Ruth's going to have to go the way of the dodo bird so that we can thrive. Um. I thought they could have gotten away with it. And then it would have been much more of a hammer drop to end the series on like, we got away with it all. Like then the son has to commit murder. And then you're like, Oh crap. They had already made their bed. So it's like, nah, okay. That, that felt, 
uh, redundant. You know, they uh, end the series there. They're fine with Ruth dying because it allows them to live on. So I didn't love that. You know uh, what? But, but listen. But I also listen. thought True Detective. I also thought True Detective's ending sucked. I, I hated that final episode. I really felt let down by it. I didn't. Well, I, I didn't listen. care for that either. Okay, so they let Ruth die. Wendy obviously had no problem uh, engineering her brother's death. They have no problem with their son becoming a cold-blooded killer. Do you know what they wouldn't do? They wouldn't join the live tour. They were invited. <laughs> Marty, Marty was invited to be the accountant for the live tour. And they go, hey, you got to have some fucking standards. We're not monsters. We're they not did. monsters. They did kind of do that. They're like, yeah. we're not putting your, your bogus voting machines in the state you want them. So they did have their political standing uh, kept clean there. Um, the other thing you made- Who do you think I am, Dustin Johnson? I'm not going to fucking but, launder money. For for MBS, we I don't like, but but like I say, the Cohen brothers' effect of like, oh my goodness, we thought we could hack this, but we are we are three levels uh, out of our depth here. That's why Castaway sucks too. Castaway would be a much better movie that instead of having the character be Tom Hanks, who knows how to start a fire and has some basic survival instincts, would be way better if it was Dave Damashek. You know, it would be like. Well, then really, what would you do? You drop If you drop me on an island, that's a different kind of a movie and, and much darker in, in where things uh, go out. One thing's for sure, Dave never gets off the island. Dave never builds a boat and figures out how to make the sail do all that. So I guess maybe it's a shorter movie. Um, if, volleyball, but, if that's Dave Damashek, the volleyball escapes the island <laughs> so he doesn't have to listen to Sheck's voice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Wilson, I'm getting the hell away from you. Wilson, Wilson's like, please, I'm done with you, Damashek. Swimming for freedom. Spawn's uh, arms. Yeah. <laughs> yes, evolution hits fast. Like for my own well-being, for the for for the quality of my life, I need arms. God, please give me some so I can get away from this prattling Jew. Um, you also enough. mentioned. You also mentioned, you said, what if the three of us got in a fight? And I know that's not how you meant it, but a quick detour. Could Hench, could you and me combine to beat up Eddie Spaghetti? Eddie Spaghetti, you take it first. Uh, yeah, right now, probably. I'm pretty banged up. I, I can't, I don't recover well from the gym working out. So I'm, I'm constantly dealing with like a shoulder thing, a back thing, whatever. I'm, I'm not, uh, in tip top being 30. It's just, everything's downhill. So Sorry I gotta, I gotta start yeah. doing like yoga yeah. and I, I gotta start stretching. I gotta do something to, to recover better. So I think right now you guys could, uh, you'd probably get me. It is hard. Uh, numbers are hard. Like two on one is hard. You know, it's just like, it's hard to mm -hmm. be getting hit from behind while you're fighting the guy in front of you. Um, I would say this, you know, I wouldn't want any part of spaghetti one-on-one, -on -one, mm -hmm. but I assume I I'm pretty confident that the way the metal stand would look is spaghetti hench check. What a fight to the death between the three of us. Well, not like a battle Royale, but like if we, you know, if we had a tournament where we each had oh, to I fight, see. If we each had to fight the other guys, right? So we we would each have two, you know, a little bit like World Cup soccer. Only there's only three in our group. So spaghetti goes two and zero. Oh, I go one and one, and you go zero oh and two. 
I, you I know, I'll, I'll give bad. spaghetti the victory. I, I'm not 100% sure. Because you're, why? Because you're more athletic than I am? I weigh more than you. And I'm bigger I'm, than you in general. I'm bigger, stronger, and faster than you. You're not bigger than I am. Well, how much do you weigh? 190-ish. All right. Well, I'm 186. Okay, so we're closer than I realized. I always think when people do that, we, I've marveled before, and you guys insist they would, and I'll take your word, but like a featherweight boxer, a 115-pound man would kick my ass? I don't know. Color me skeptical. I don't know. Like, I, how, how's he even reaching me to hurt me? Like, I you know, know. What's, it, what's it gonna do to well, really- I, I, always, I would always laugh. Inflict like, harm. I, you know, I'd always laugh about it because I was like, you know, how dangerous is Oscar De La Hoya? Like, he cuts in front <laughs> of you right. at a bar and you're you're like, hey, excuse me, I'm waiting for my drink. And he's also got that fucking super effeminate look. Like, it's like, this is like, <laughs> hey, Hey, fucking jackass, I'm waiting for my drink here. And like, he just sets his drink down and fucking disposes of you in 11 seconds. Like, it's not even close. Yeah, check. Any professional boxer who weighs more than 75 pounds is going to knock you out. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe okay, we'll never find out. Listen, I may well put I, like I may well put my one. hand atop his head and hold him at a, at a okay. distance like I'm in a I cartoon. I feel like I'm the only one um, – who's actually trying to drive traffic to this podcast with my ideas. Like, I feel like, you know, I've pitched it to Toby. I, you know how I feel about trivia. I come up with great trivia questions, sports trivia. Let's throw up a question on the website. Let's get, let's try, like, it'd be like Wordle. Everybody great starts their, their, their day with their tr trivia. Now another great idea. Um, I think his name was Michael Carbajal. I believe like a featherweight or a flyweight, but now he's okay. probably like our age. So we got to look up Michael Carbajal, see how old he is. Cause he might, this could work. Let's get a retired flyweight or featherweight boxer to fight Sheck. No, I don't want, I don't want to no, do that. I, I first need my said, NFL. You just said, you just said. So not only I'm meeting you more than halfway, you're like, a, a flyweight. A f He's 54. This is perfect. Okay. Michael Carbajal versus Dave Damashek. Let's make it happen because not only you are like flyweight, featherweight, come on. I got 80 pounds on this guy. I'm giving you a 54 year old retired tiny boxer. To, and again, it's not for charity, but it is to drive traffic to the, to our website and our podcast. I say you take the beating, take the, or, or administer the beating as you seem to think it's going to go. All right, we got I, I'm not, rant. There will be no administration of a beating delivered by the uh, by the hands of Damashek. I just question how severe a thrashing I would take at a little fella's uh, at a little fella's hands. That's all Let's I'm saying. Let's find out. Let's find okay. out. Okay, you know what? I'll do it. I'll do okay. it. Yes. But first, I want to do my pro football experiment, which is give me the ball at the at my thirty yard line with my hand picked offensive unit, and I can lead them to a scoring drive. I want to do that. Hope you enjoyed that, listener. While you're out on the ocean, or out on the golf course, or at the pool, or eating a wiener, however you uh, consumed it, we appreciate you doing it. And great news if you enjoyed this episode. We're coming back for another one in just a couple of days with. Fabiano and Hench once again. Hope we'll, uh, we'll have you along for the ride. Until then, for those guys and Eddie Spaghetti, thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. <laughs>